Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com. And we're in the grind of training camp right now, so I got a lot to go over here. I'm going to unleash the nuggets, right? I'm going to tell you basically what I've seen so far at training camp, go over some of the main topics, beginning with how Daniel Jones has played, where Saquon Barkley's at, and what this means for week one, Kenny Galladay, the offensive line, the secondary, all the important things you want to know. I'm going to touch on those in a couple minutes. I'll also look at the first unofficial depth chart of the summer and tell you if I see anything there that maybe I would be surprised to see by the time week one comes around. So with that being said, let's get straight down to business. What everybody always asks me and basically starts with is, how's Daniel Jones look? You know, is Daniel Jones good enough? How's he playing? And I'll tell you this about his camp so far. It's been up and down. Nothing where you say, Daniel Jones is playing lights out this summer, whipping touchdown passes all over the place. And it's not like, oh, he's throwing interceptions left and right. Now, what I have seen in spurts, flashes, is some more Daniel Jones making throws on the move. Uh, not scripted, like, you know, uh, you know, moving the pocket kind of deals. I'm talking about Daniel Jones, pressure comes, use the legs, get out to the right, and make, make a throw. And that I like because, to me, when I look around the league, that's how the game is basically played by the top quarterbacks these days. You create your own time. You cover up for offensive line deficiencies by moving – on your own, and being able to make throws. So I have seen that. Now, what I haven't seen from Daniel Jones is I haven't seen many splash throws. Like, I even saw Justin Fields this morning. So I'm taping this on a Thursday morning. I saw a highlight of Justin Fields, you know, rolling out, I guess it was to his left, and throwing like a little sidearm flick in a tight window near the end zone. Like, even Daniel Jones, like, I remember remember that for his first career game against Tampa Bay, he makes an off-platform throw, kind of off-balance a little bit, shuffling to his left to Darius Slayton downfield, like 40 yards. Like, that was impressive. That's why you were like, oh, my God, this guy can make those kind of throws? And now, you know, we didn't see that really last year, and we're not – I haven't seen that much again this summer. So, uh, you know, he's somewhere in the middle. I think at the, at the you know, Fan Fest, he had one awful pass to start one of the drills. And then he was pretty solid the rest of the day. But it wasn't like, ooh, ah, you know, look at that throw. That was special kind of deal. But it also wasn't, oh, there's another interception. Uh, you know, oh, he's fumbling the ball and they're not even allowed to touch him. Now, granted, let's see how it goes when they're playing against action and other teams, even joint practices, preseason games where it could actually be hit. Because remember, training camp practice, Daniel Jones is wearing that red jersey. And he knows he can't be touched. He can't be hit. The quarterback cannot be touched. So while, yeah, you could assume and feel that pressure a little bit, you know that nobody's going to hit you. That changes, right, when you're in a preseason game or when you're in a regular season game or even in joint practice. It's a little bit different, even though they're not allowed to touch you either. But they're coming a little bit stronger. They might swipe at your arms, do things that your, your own team wouldn't do, which is why coaches like to control that stuff as much as possible. So that's where we're at with Daniel Jones. I don't think much really should have changed with the needle for Daniel Jones early in training camp. What are we sitting here? Still about a month from the season. Now, it's also worth noting 
that Daniel Jones is out there on offense and the three biggest additions the Giants basically made, I guess four this offseason, he hasn't had Saquon Barkley in any, any real drills, any live drills at all. He hasn't had Kenny Galladay for a little while now. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. He hasn't had Kyle Rudolph. And Kadarius Toney, he's back, but he he's worked a lot with the second team and he's kind of ramping up. In the last couple of days, he didn't even do much of practice. So we still haven't seen much of Kadarius Toney at all either, which is just awkward, by the way. Guy has had the most awkward start to an NFL career ever. I mean, he was on the side yesterday and Joe Judge, that was at the Fan Fest, and Joe Judge said it was uh, had something to do with his workload maintenance kind of deal. Workload maintenance? The guy didn't do anything the day before either. He, he, he barely did anything at the beginning of camp as they ramped him up post-COVID. So, you know, we haven't seen a lot from Kadarius Tony, And uh, it's still early, but I'm very interested to see the next couple weeks, especially with these preseason games. I want to see him get in some action. It'll be, it'll be very interesting to see what the Giants kind of have planned for him and in store. Because right now, it looks like he's just going to be a bit player. Such a slow start to camp. And really, all the rookies, it's been a slow start to camp. The only one who's, only two who have practiced with any regularity are Rodarius Williams, a sixth-round pick, who's impressed, we'll get to that in a bit, and Aziz Ojolari, who's done a lot of running with the first team. But he's been on a workload maintenance or dinged up the last couple of days. Depends who you want to believe, Joe Judge or Dave Gettleman. So we'll we'll see. How the rookie class pans out, I'm not going to make any uh, overarching evaluations based on the first few weeks of camp. But the early returns are these guys haven't done a, a, a ton, and that makes it hard for them to contribute early in the season. So that's kind of what I'm expecting now. As for Saquon Barkley, I think you should be optimistic about him being ready for week one. And that is encouraging if you're a Giant fan, because that is really the number one thing about this team in the summer. Is Saquon going to be ready for week one? Now, what I was told and what I had heard, the timeline was, you know, if he's back for joint, not back to get into joint practice, but if he gets back to joint practices, start doing some things around the Cleveland joint practices, that gives him enough time to get ready for the season and ramp him up and to have him ready for week one. Now, Saquon Barkley came back to practice this week. Hasn't done a ton. He just does some individual drills, as Joe Judge said. Basically an extension of his rehab. But still, activated from pup, came back from practices. Uh, came back to practice. Ten days before the Cleveland joint practices. Ten days. So, let's do the math. I'm not very good. Two plus two times six plus eight equals 26. I just made up numbers. Whatever. Saquon Barkley... If he came back 10 days before that sort of cutoff date, that gives him time to be ready for week one. Barring some sign of some kind of minor setback. Because remember, you can go out there and he finally gets contact for the first time and his knee might not feel great. So they might have to pull him back a little bit. Stuff like that happens. It changes the timeline. But as of now, I think you could be very optimistic that Saquon Barkley in some form, barring a setback, can be ready for week one against the Denver Broncos. Now, I've had sources tell me, yes, you know, even no matter when he comes back, do not expect him to be back at his previous work rate. That's unrealistic. And think about it. That makes sense. You're, you're just silly if you're bringing Saquon Barkley back week one and playing him even, let's say, 80% of the snaps, even though he was a little higher throughout his first few years. Like When he's on the field and healthy, he was like a close to 90% snap guy. Now, I think you're looking at more like 
50, 60% of the snaps early in the season. I'm not just talking week one, if even if he gets back. I'm talking the first quarter of the season. You could see his workload pulled back just a little bit because it's a smart move. You don't want to overwork this guy off a serious injury. Coming back, facing real contact, real tackling for the first time. You can't have him out there for 85% of the snaps. So he will be held back a little bit. As for Kenny Galladay, also good news. He's been back out there jogging on the field. He's not practicing. He's just working on the side. Very light, little. But my understanding is he could probably be coming back about now. But the Giants have been, are are willing to play it very cautious with him. Shut him down for some extra time. Give him extra time to heal in order to try and prevent, because you know when you have a hamstring problem, the possibility of you coming back and then sort of tweaking it again. And then you have to go back out. And then you're in. And then you're out again. And then you're in. Then you're out. That's kind of what happens when you have the hamstring injury. It's one of those injuries that could kind of be back and forth, in and out. So good news still on Kenny Galladay. And speaking of hamstring injuries, or at least guys with hamstring injuries, we go on to, I believe that's what John Ross's injury is. And you look at this guy. And you see him at camp, and you're like, wow, man, that speed. You could see it at times. He he gets the ball, and he just explodes. Or he ha- There was a practice where, and, and, and you probably haven't heard much about this, he beats James Bradbury deep, right? I mean, he's got clear separation. Jones underthrows the ball. Bradbury comes back and knocks down the pass. And you got the you know some of the house organs there saying, uh, great, great. A blanket coverage, and this is what you get from fans. For fans, this is the coverage you get. Great blanket coverage by James Barry. Well, let me tell you, John Ross was like three yards past. Okay, should have been a touchdown. Bad throw by Daniel Jones on that play. And you're like, John Ross, man, he has that. It. I mean, he can just get that. He's literally the fastest guy ever at the Combine. Ever. That's how fast the dude is. But he's a walking injury. So now... He's got another injury, and you have to be concerned because it's John Ross, and he has his pass, and he's been very open about it. Dude is, seems super nice, and he's been very open about it. He has to, He even said it last week, you know, he's got to prove he could stay on the field for 16 games. And to have a leg injury and a hamstring injury in particular, that to me is troubling if you're looking at John Ross making a big impact on this team now. You want to be positive. You want to be optimistic, but now that he has the injury, it's, it's seriously, it's hard. I don't know how you could sit there and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, John Ross is going to be fine. No problem. I'm going to go look at his history. He's got his NFL career is littered with injuries. It's a problem for him. And uh, I hope he gets back because be, that would be a nice weapon for the Giants to have. It's just one I'm not sure they can count on. So they need to get some of these receivers back on the field for sure. But let's go and talk about the offensive line first, okay? Because. This is the other area and the question I get all the time. You know, how's the offensive line doing? It's hard to tell. And this is kind of one of the reasons I say it. You know that the Giants, for a few days last week, and, you know, Aziz Ojolari was kind of given a light day of work. The Giants' first team defense had Nico Lalos and Trent Harris as the first team outside linebackers. So you're trying to figure out, okay, how's Andrew Thomas look? And I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good rep for Andrew Thomas or Matt Parrott. And I look over there, and it's Nico Lalos and Trent Harris they're going against. When the reality is they're going to be facing Chase Young 
and Montez Sweat. We're going to get to that Washington team in a few minutes here. But big difference. So I'm kind of interested to see. Let's see how they do when they do these joint practices. Before I make any overarching evaluations of the offensive line, let's see how they do in the joint practices against Cleveland with Miles Garrett on that line. And, you know, let's see how they do against New England and their rebuild defense. Let's see how they do against the Jets in the preseason. So I'm I'm interested to see in how the offensive line fares these next two or three weeks before you really hit the panic button because the interior of the offensive line is the concern. And that's and I'm I'm even considering that Parrot and and Andrew Thomas aren't as big a concern. So think about that for a second. And Parrot and Andrew Thomas haven't proven jack in this league yet. I mean, Andrew Thomas, all he did was prove he was terrible in the first half, and he could get himself up to serviceable in the second half. And he's a number four overall pick. So we got a long way to go before he proves himself in this league. But still, I think the bigger problem is the interior. And so Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux, in particular, that those two guard spots, I think are the the concerns with the Giants. Now, we'll see how it plays out. Again, let's see how they do against outside competition. I've seen too many mental errors. You see Will Hernandez running a lap, jumping off sides. You see too many of these mental errors with him early in camp to make me feel confident that he's going to have that year where he's finally going to break out. And Shane Lemieux, he missed some time with a knee injury. But still, what's his pass blocking like? Wasn't good last year. Let me see him against some really good competition before we can make that judgment. Now, the Giants do have some good competition for him on a daily basis, but he just hasn't practiced much because he was injured. And Kenny Wiggins was the guy who stepped in for Shane Lemieux at guard, which has kind of been interesting. And the fact that you're putting Kenny Wiggins in there and he's one snap away from being your starting maybe right or left guard, that has me pretty concerned too. So nothing about the offensive line should make you feel a lot better right now. But again, I don't feel a lot worse either. I'm kind of in the same spot I was heading into training camp with that group. I mentioned outside linebacker uh, Nico Lalos and Trent Harris. I'm not trying to knock those guys. I mean, they each serve a role. Trent Harris, good run defender, stout. He could, you know, hold hold up on the edge. Nico Lalos was a nice little find from Dartmouth as a rookie and undrafted guy last year. Uh, so the fact that he's worked himself up to that point, I mean... It's a pretty awesome story, but you want to see, you want somebody who's going to threaten 10 sacks. And like, we're sitting here now and we're like, you know, will they have Aziz, Aziz Ojolari? We're we're going to, is the Giants really going to ask, and you as fans are going to ask a rookie second round pick to, to be a double digit sack guy or threaten that as a rookie? That's asking a lot. I mean, that's asking too much in my opinion, which brings me to... I'll give you the list of guys that you basically can't even have an evaluation on at this point because they've been injured a, a huge chunk. And uh, Shane Lemieux was kind of on the borderline there. I, I touched on him. But Lorenzo Carter, edge rusher, haven't seen really any of him. And that's a problem. He's coming off Achilles injury. You, now you're getting to the point where, all right, if he's not back at practice yet, you know, his reg- start of the regular season is going to be in doubt, and what really can we expect from him? He's coming off an Achilles injury. That's a serious injury. Really serious. Oh, Shane Zimenez just got back to practice. So I'm take a really good rep. Knocked Matt Parrott back like five yards into the backfield during the uh, Wednesday night fan fest at the stadium. But can't have an evaluation on Shane Zimenez. Dude's literally been back like three practices as I sit here and tape this. Ellerson Smith, rookie fourth round pick, I believe. 
Haven't seen him at all. He has some sort of leg injury. It's not really a hamstring, but it's around the hamstring and involving the hamstring, some, something like that. So he has like a lower leg injury that's kept him sidelined the entire camp so far. So you're talking about a fourth-round pick who's probably a little of a bit of a project coming out of northern Iowa who didn't play that last year, now missing most of camp so far, or all of camp so far. So really, when, realistically, when the heck is Ellerson Smith realistically going to be able to contribute this year? It's not early in the season, definitely not. I mean, you could have made the argument he probably wasn't going to do much this year anyway, coming from northern Iowa and not playing last year. Now you can make the argument you might as well just shelve him for the year, basically. There's a good chance we don't see much of Ellerson Smith until 2022. Austin Mack. So that's the edge rusher position, okay? It shows you where the Giants are at. So they have those three guys out. Ryan Anderson, also no evaluation for either. I didn't mention him. He comes from the, from Washington. Uh, and he's coming back from injury. So, you know, again, and he has a history of injury. So, again, can, can we can trust him. So where are the Giants at that edge rusher spot? It's a concern. I don't know how you can look at that group and look at the injuries and the injury history and not think that that group is a concern. The biggest lock right now is you want to say, well, we have a Shane Zimmon as we drafted him in the second round. You're looking for your second round pick to be your number one edge rusher. That's not great. I'm telling you. It's not great. Really. It's not a great spot to be in. That's the the offensive line and the edge rusher position are my two biggest concerns. Other guys who we can't make an evaluation on, Austin Mack, wide receiver, undrafted guy who the Giants liked as a blocker last year specifically, uh, made his mark on the team, got in some action. He has not practiced for a while now. That's going to hurt his chances of contributing or making the roster. I don't know how. If he doesn't get back to practice in the next few weeks, he finds a spot on the, the the active roster considering the Giants are pretty deep at wide receiver. Now, that's assuming that some of those guys we mentioned before come back. Uh, I mentioned Ryan Anderson, Aaron Robinson. We haven't seen him yet. Another rookie third-round pick playing the cornerback position, a tough position to play as a rookie. It's going to make his rookie season now hard. I don't. I, you can't expect it. He hasn't done anything. He had core muscle surgery uh, back in the spring. He's running at least on the side, but it doesn't look like he's that close back to practice. So Aaron Robinson also, I don't know if you could expect too much early this season. Kyle Rudolph, his, and I spoke to a bunch of people about this over the past, you know, month or two. His, the start of the season is certainly in doubt for Kyle Rudolph, who hasn't gotten a field. I mean, he looks like a coach at practice these days. That's how little we see him doing. Now, maybe he's doing more on his own inside. I'm sure he is. But, I mean, he's out there dressed as a coach at practice. That's what his summer's been. I mean, he's coming off foot surgery. He's in his 30s. The foot bothered him last year. He needed the the foot surgery after they found it in the MRI or x-ray, whatever, when the Giants signed him. So Kyle Rudolph's start to the season, certainly in danger. I mean, dude's still on the pup list. Hasn't had one practice. So the Giants have Evan Ingram and Caden Smith. And, I mean, Cole Hikatini probably never heard of the, the name in, in in your life. And to be honest with you, I haven't heard, heard much of him either. I didn't know much about him. Hold on. I even have to look it up. Uh, he, I think he he's from NC State. Yeah. NC State. Second season. He was in Dallas originally, I believe, with Jason Garrett. So this is a guy I think you, you might see some Cole Hikatini because Levine Tuilolo, another guy at tight end, was lost for the season. He tore his Achilles. So... That's another position. The Giants are kind of short. Not that I'm worried about it. I think you're fine if with Evan Ingram and Caden Smith. 
And then when Kyle Rudolph comes back eventually. But the plan for the Giants was to run a lot of two tight ends. I think now we're going to see some more three receivers instead. So I'll give you some risers. I'm going to put Rodarius Williams, sixth round pick, Oklahoma State. I'm usually reserved, and I know a rookie does really well, you know, in a practice or whatever. A bunch of guys don't practice one day and he gets first team reps and everyone goes nuts. But no, seriously, this guy has made plays consistently. And when he's with the first team defense, when he snuck in there, when Adoree Jackson didn't play or whatever, he's looked like he belonged. He really has. I'm going to put Andrew Thomas on my list also. I know the competition hasn't been great, but from what I've seen from him against who he's gone against, which is really all you can judge him on, because I can't just assume the better guys are going to beat him or he's he's going to dominate the better guys also. But so far from what I've seen, I've liked what I've seen. You like what you see. And Xavier McKinney, too. Dude's going to be a part of that secondary. And then the Giants secondary is really one of the one of the, the stars of camp so far. I like what I've seen from Adoree Jackson. Xavier McKinney, there's going to be a lot of three safety looks with this Giants team this year. They're going to find ways to get him on the field. Jabril Pepper is basically going to play a pseudo, you know, box linebacker type position, mm-hmm. I, I think at times, which isn't a surprise. Did it last year as well. So that secondary with Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers, and Xavier McKinney has three safeties. And then you throw in Adoree Jackson and James Bradbury. Darnay Holmes will be the slot guy at times. You'll see packages where they fit uh, Julian Love in there. Good secondary. Strength of this team, no doubt. On my uh, fallers list, I'm, I'm going to put John Ross. Uh, that injury is just a killer. He looked so good, too, but... Man, any sort of leg injury to John Ross has the sirens blaring, baby. I mean, as loud as you can have them blaring, if John Ross suffered a leg injury, you have to be concerned. Gary Brightwell, too. uh, It was pretty clear he was going to play zero offense anyway in his rookie year, six-round pick at Arizona. Really was drafted for special teams, but he's now been banged up. uh, So it hasn't been a great start for him either. Uh, also, you shouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants get a quarterback at some point. It's been a rough start of training camp for Clayton Thorson. So, um, other guys, I haven't. I don't. I don't think I have anybody else that I'm kind of going to put on that uh, fall list. I mean, the Giants' backup second string offensive line is problematic. I will say Nate Solder, by the way, has looked pretty good. And I'll go over the depth chart a little bit here. You know what? Let's make the transition to that real quick. Uh, The unofficial, and I'm using air quotes to that, depth chart that the Giants put out for the first preseason game. Trust me, these things go and get run through the head coach. They're not putting it out without the head coach at least saying it. So, real quick, wide receiver. You have Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay. John Ross is behind Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton is listed behind Kenny Galladay. So, yeah, when they're in a two-receiver set, it's going to be Shepard and Galladay. Kadarius Tony is behind uh, John Ross. So he's the third receiver uh, behind Shepard and John Ross at that spot. Uh, the Z is kind of uh, – I'm sorry, the X receiver is kind of Galladay, Slayton, and David Sills, who's had a pretty good camp as well. He could f- slip his way onto the roster. And then C.J. Board also. He's after David Sills. He He's also made some noise at camp. But uh, – it's really Shepard, 
Galladay and Slayton, those are the primary guys. Tony obviously has a spot on the roster. I thought John Ross would have a spot too if he was healthy. We'll see how that turns out. And then next in line to me is probably David Sills, CJ Board, and then if Austin Mack can get healthy, big if. Dante Pettis has his work cut out for him. Alex Bachman, good slot guy, but has his work cut out for him as well. Uh, fullback Eli Penny over Cullen Gillespie. Yeah, you see Eli Penny doing a lot this summer, so I'm, I don't think anything would change my opinion on that. Offensive line, left to right. Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates at center. Will Hernandez, right guard. Matt Parrott, right tackle. The only thing I would say is I have heard some rumblings that there are people that like Nate Solder to potential to still be that starter at right tackle, even though Matt Parrott is the guy getting all the snaps right now. They're trying to get him as much work as possible, but it's still, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that Nate Solder is a starter there week one. That would make Matt Parrott then the swing tackle. Uh, Chad Slade has played a bunch of left tackle, even though he's listed here as the backup right guard. He is another guy. I think the giants kind of like him as the sort of reserve uh, one of those reserve offense linemen. He has some flexibility. Kenny Wiggins, I mentioned before. Backup center's Jonathan Harrison. He's now been injured. That's where the Giants, they really need some interior help. That center guard spot is the spot that I wouldn't be surprised. I actually expect them to be very active when teams start cutting guys and waving guys. The Giants to be very active. That's where they're going to go after their interior linemen. Uh, I, I really do. I think either that or they they might, you know, turn back to a guy like Austin Ryder, but uh, they will add a guy, I believe, on the offensive line before the start of the season, and in particular, on the interior. So, uh, quarterback, obviously, Daniel Jones, Mike Lennon, Clayton Thorson. Those are an easy one, two, three. Kind of know where they are in that regard. Defense. The starting outside linebackers are listed as uh, O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter. Now, if the season started today, I, I, I can't believe that would be the case. Now, let's say O'Shane Zimenez, since he's back, fine. I can see him as a starter, uh, but opposite maybe Aziz Ojolari. It's hard for me to envision Lorenzo Carter being the week one starter right now. On the interior, Dexter Lawrence. Austin Johnson has the first team nose tackle ahead of Danny Shelton. That's interesting. I think I would probably lean towards Shelton, uh, but they both get snaps there, so I'm not. I'm not confident either way right now. Could go either way. I think they'll both split those snaps kind of. Uh, and Leonard Williams, obviously, is the other defensive lineman. Inside linebackers, Blake Martinez, Tay Crowder. I see those as the starting duo. Behind them is Reggie Raglan and Devontae Downs. Carter Coughlin and TJ Brunson behind those guys. Uh, they're sort of move around pieces. Maybe TJ Brunson slips in in certain packages as a cover guy but I wouldn't be surprised you see a lot of packages with the Giants like I said three safeties instead of you know, a nickel package with two inside linebackers so you might you'll see Blake Martinez maybe you know with Jabril Peppers like I said next you know somewhere near him and then the safety combo deep is McKinney with uh Logan Ryan and uh, you know that's as I mentioned Logan Ryan Peppers Bradbury and Dory Jackson that's pretty set in that secondary, that's a that's a solid, solid for a starting secondary. And then throw uh, McKinney and then Darnay Holmes as a slot guy in there. It's a pretty good group. Casey Kreider, long snapper. Riley Dixon, punter. Uh, they have, and Graham Gano kicker. They have Jabril Peppers listed as the first punt returner. Yeah, I think that would be the case with Dory Jackson second, which is kind of interesting. 
Dory Jackson didn't have a ton of success in Tennessee, I don't believe, as a returner. And then Kadarius Tony third. <clears throat> think he could work his way into that punt return mix, no doubt, especially if they're looking for ways to get touches for him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him by the end of the summer work his way into the number one punt returner role. John Ross, they have listed as a kickoff returner with Pepper second and Tony third. Again, wouldn't be surprised to see Tony move up that list, especially with Ross injured and uh, <clears throat> and uh, Tony looking for ways to get his hands on the ball. So, uh, you know what? That's it for this opening segment. I know I went kind of long there. I hope I gave you a bunch of insight that maybe you did not know yet. Now let's talk about one of the Giants' top competitors this season. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, we're going to bring in my guy, John Keim. The Washington football team reporter covers the team beautifully, if I might say. John, welcome. Hope your summer is going well and you're enjoying the dog days of training camp, my friend. The summer's going well because we're back covering football and you're able to watch practices and we're talking to some people in person. So that's a nice advance from last year. So it is going okay. We're making progress for sure. But, uh, okay, so let's get straight into the football team. The defending division champions, by the way. <laughs> there you I'll go. I'll be it at seven and nine. But, hey, they, every, look. They, every they got, five, yeah, every five years they can wear that label. <laughs> hey, Giants, they haven't won it in, in uh, yeah. way more than that. So the Giants yeah. are the one team that, that they'll take that right now. So, <laughs> But we all know. They're all eyes when it comes to this Washington football team. How good – they have a good roster. But how good this team can be is going to be contingent on that quarterback play. Yes. So what have we seen from Ryan Fitzpatrick this summer so far? Um, what you see, I'll start a couple of things. You see a connection with Terry McLaurin. And he clearly trusts McLaurin. He trusts Adam Humphreys. He trusts Logan Thomas. You can see it in the kind of throws that he makes in practice to them more willing to throw tightly contested balls to a guy like McLaurin or a guy like Thomas because he knows that they're going to be able to catch that pass, right? And he just trusts where they're going to be, and I think you see a connection there. What you also see is a guy that who uses his veteran knowledge, and so you constantly see him talking to guys on the side, before practice, after practice, about, hey, and, you, you know, we're not privy to the conversation, but you can kind of tell what's going on. They're going over particular um, situations. Like I saw him after practice one day with Adam Humphreys, and it was like clear. He's like, okay, you can kind of see if the linebacker's here, this is how I want you to break off this route, or this is the adjustment you should make off this particular look. And then they just work on that for a couple minutes. That better knowledge is something that all the players have talked about and latched on to. And why they feel why they like Fitzpatrick and they consider him a leader. 
Now, you're also going to see the other side of the Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's bounced around from team to team for a reason. He is a guy that is going to throw some picks. And when you see him in practice, you kind of wonder, well, is that Fitz tragic or is that because he's new here or whatever? Because his history says it's one way, right? And even though like he's been, he's very confident coming into camp because this is the best he's been playing, he feels, you still see the other side of it. I mean, he, again, this is his ninth team. There is a reason why you bounce around that much. But I think it speaks to how poorly the quarterback play has been here for a couple of years that he is being viewed as this kind of an upgrade. You view him as an upgrade? Yeah, I do. And and partly because like Alex. It's Smith hard not to, right? I mean, the quarterback play was so bad. The last two years, their total QBR was the worst in the NFL combined, right? Right. So last year, Dwayne Haskins started six games. Well, he's a clear upgrade over that. Kyle Allen started four games. Well, he's better than Kyle Allen. And Alex Smith started six games. And, you know, I think Alex Smith as a leader is hard to top. And guys would talk about the confidence they had in Smith, not because of his, you know, he, not because of, you know, he's whipping the ball around and all that. Just his presence gave them comfort. Fitzpatrick is a better passer at this stage than Smith. Will he be better for this team? One thing Smith could do is mitigate turnovers and put the defense, keep the defense in good situations. This defense is terrific. So I think if, you know, that's one thing that remains to be seen is can Fitzpatrick, will Fitzpatrick do, do those turnovers pop up? And if so, how does that impact the defense? Because that's where Smith stood out. But overall, you go into there thinking, yes, he is an upgrade over what they had. Right. Uh, now we had this discussion, right? You know, we did our N- NFC East sort of round table for the you know, NFL nation reporters. And we joked with you about Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Like you're 18. It's definitely going to change John. Right. Like, <laughs> so tell me, give me one reason that you could come up with why Ryan Fitzpatrick won't eventually over a 17 game season crap the bet. Well, I can't do that because we don't know. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to do that. I like, Again, the writer, the the he believes and others believe that he's playing his best ball. But you know, it's kind of like a last, you know, in baseball, if you have a good stretch for 60 games, like some hitters did last year, put it out over 162. Are you the same player? Well, I don't know. Yeah. You know, like he was playing well last year, but I don't know. I do think Miami makes the playoffs if he continues at quarterback rather than Tua. And I think there's a lot of guys in that locker room who would have probably agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't, we don't know because we haven't seen it over 17 games that consistently. And so I don't, I'm not going to oversell. I just think he's better than what they had. And I, I, I'm curious to see what he does because there has been a lot of rhetoric around him. And because guys do seem, the receivers seem to be excited to play for him because I think they feel like he's going to give them a chance to come down with the ball. But you also have to make sure that the other team's not getting the ball a lot either because you don't want to put this is a really good defense you don't want to keep putting them in bad spots though right you know it, it hurts any defense so i don't know over 17 games what he's going to do because you know you got to go do it i you know i i'm i've i've heard enough stuff here over the years to to, to i do think he'll i like i said i think he'll be good for them i really i do but over 17 games you know go show it because i think a lot of people here are kind of tired of the hearing what they might do. They want to see what you're going to do before they actually believe it. Right. Well, I'm also very curious because I actually think Washington has the best roster in the division, but they have that big question mark to me at that quarterback position, which gives you pause. Now, 
when I say I like their roster, a big part of that is that defense. Yeah. Uh, what can derail that group from being the number one defense in the NFL? Well, I mean, first of all, you look at the schedule. And I think that's where, like statistically last year, they were top five in both yards and points allowed. I think it will be difficult to match that considering the quarterbacks they play this year, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, um, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, you know, Ooh. Dak Prescott. Um, the, you know, the I'm, penalty I'm of being the, in first place, John. That's the penalty exactly. of getting winning winning that yeah. crappy division last year. Yeah, it is because the two game the games that were added, it was Buffalo was their seventh was a seventeenth game added, and then you know your Russell Wilson was the other game that w- was another game that was added, and so it does you know it does make it. Difficult. Yeah, Giants got and, Miami. So if you're going to choose, you know, you choose. Correct, I definitely right. would choose Miami, or I'd rather right. play Buffalo. So, sure. so that's that's going to be an impediment to that. I, I still think that they're. I think they're a better group. I think they're a better unit. But the stats may not reflect that quite as much. Because if it, listen, I'll tell you what. Right. If they're top five with this schedule, I think that's tremendous. Um, but I do think they'll be better. I think Chase Young and Montez Sweat will be a really good pass rush tandem. They don't have a lot of depth. They don't have depth, really good depth there. That So if anything happens to one of them for an extended time, that's an issue. Great depth inside. I think, you know, you still wonder about the safety position. Landon Collins has looked good and strong. Cam Curl's a good, strong safety. Can he play free if they need him to? Can Bobby McClain be the answer at free? Um, corner depth, I think, you know, beyond the top three, I think there are questions there. So that's the depth could do it in some areas. But overall, I think it's really you look at that schedule. It's the quarterbacks they're going to face because it's dramatically different than last year. Last year, the top rated quarterbacks they played in terms of like total QBR and all that were like Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield. Right. You know, obviously yeah, the Giants Lamar's with that same good. schedule. They didn't, yeah, they didn't right. play a lot of the big quarterbacks. Yeah. Right. So and Lamar's really good. But as a passer, he's not going to pick you apart like an Aaron Rodgers. He's a multi-skilled guy. But it's but it, and even then, it's like he would be he was really good. But it's the depth of the quarterback play they're facing this year that's really going to be in problematic. Yeah, Baker, Baker, and Lamar both crushed the job. And I didn't smash, smash and, him, I didn't and even, Kyler Murray, by the way, last year back to back to back weeks. And I didn't yeah. even get into them facing Jalen Hurts. <laughs> <laughs> well, give me, give me, um, am I, tell me. How crazy am I to think that? And I, I think I picked Chase Young to be the MVP, not of the league, but the NFC East. Like we had to pick an NFC East MVP. Is that how crazy am I to think that this guy is going to go for like stays healthy? He's like a fifteen sack guy. He's like a Von Miller type player. I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, he had seven and a half last year. In his last seven games, it was like four sacks. I think it was like either two or three forced fumbles, two or three fumble recoveries. One for a touchdown. I mean, his pressure's picked up. Part of the reason was he started to figure out how to rush as a, as a in the NFL as opposed to college, where he could win a lot on talent. Good tech. He had you know he had great line coach there and Larry Johnson, but he won with a lot of talent too. And the NFL, he had to learn how to attack a, a, a tackle, pick a side, rush to a side, etc. But he also had a hip injury that affected his play for like the first maybe nine games or so. And it was after that that he started to get healthy that he felt better. He worked a lot on fluidity this offseason, so he's hoping to turn the corner better. He's never going to be Von Miller turning the corner. He's not Khalil Mack with that kind of bend, but he can get better. He's great with his hands. Um, so I do think it's – I don't think it's – I don't think it's improbable to think that he could get to that 
to the to that level you're talking about. It, and you know, and if this team is better and you're playing with more leads against those quarterbacks, you're going to get more opportunities. Um, so I'll be, you know, I think also Montez Sweat on the other side is really good. I think he could have a big year. Um, and I think the other thing that helps those guys is that Matt Ioannidis, one of the defensive tackles, who is their best pass rushing defensive tackle, will be back this season. He missed most of last year, almost all of last year because of an injury. And that having another, he's really good one-on-one. So you have to worry about him too. So it just gives more ability up front to maybe create opportunities for those, for a guy like Young as well. So I don't think it's out of the question that he could get to that level. Under underrated game two years ago, the Chase Young Bowl that the, that Washington ah, lost that game. Yeah. Think about it. Washington ends up with Chase Young, and the Giants have Andrew Thomas. I mean, who quite frankly didn't have a great rookie year. Uh, and so which just, pick, which pick was Thomas? Was he third or where, where, where did they have fourth? Third he ended up going fourth. All right, and who went third that draft? Um, that was that the corner. Um, Okuda, did Okuda go third? Yes, Okuda went third so you know to who, the Lions. So you know who you know who Washington probably would have had if they had lost if they had won that game? Justin Herbert. Oh. So so while I think New York got hurt in that, and it, like I think Chase Young is a terrific pick, but if they had lost that, if they had won that game and they end up picking fourth, and and, and I, I mean listen, I think any everybody there would say that now. Oh yeah, we'd have picked Justin Herbert. Yeah. I do think at the time there were a couple guys they liked. Okuda was one, Young, and then um, I know they were not like on the Tua bandwagon. So I think, you know, I think it may have been Herbert in that case. Oof. Well, either way, I think they did all right. Last question <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. How's Landon Collins look? He's coming back from a serious injury. Uh, obviously, former Giant. A lot of people, they look at that money and they're like, terrible deal. Right. Uh, Washington really screwed up. Giants kind of made the right move. How's I know he's back, but how's he look? Yeah, and the money aside, like you know, I mean that's a lot of money to play for to pay for a strong safety. Um, yeah, how he's terrible, looking, terrible deal by Washington. Yeah, he's, yeah nobody exactly. should pay a safety that much. Yeah, and like, like, a box I'm not safety, gonna, right? And I'm not going to even try to counter that because you know, but what he adds, he's a really good player still. And I think what we've seen this summer. Now, here's two things. One, you know, I'm curious to see how teams now attack him. You know, how are they going to test him coming off that Achilles? Because I think that'll tell us a lot. So, you know, in training camp, it's sometimes you can get led into down a false path of thinking something about a guy. And then the game's starting like, oh, okay, that was kind of a mirage. But what we've seen in him to this point has been really good. And I think he's been of their safeties the most active. And, you know, he, he like early in camp, I felt like he was driving well on the ball and broke up some routes because of that. Um, you know, you're still going to see him get hit by a tight, you know, you know, beaten by a tight end, but they have Logan Thomas going against him who is big and use a size over him. And so you're going to see that. I mean, that's been, that's always been his game, right? He's going to have some hiccups there. That's been the knock on him, but he's been active. And he, I think one thing that they feel like helps him now is that last year when they started off, he started off slow. He's missing more tackles, didn't look quite as comfortable in the defense because it was a new defense. Well, now they feel like he really knows it. You can hear him how vocal he is on the field um, with that. And his leadership is really good. I mean, he's guys gravitate toward. Yeah, he's a good dude. Him. He is. And so I think he's looked good. I, I think he's of their safeties. He's the one who's jumped out the most. So I think he's looked good. Now, again, when you're coming off that injury, I think there are steps. And I think the step he's looked good this summer. Does it continue? But I, based on what we've seen this summer, 
he's he's going to help them. Yeah, I mean, look, you, that's what I always say. People are like, oh, they, good thing they let him go. No, no, he's a good player. He's not a great. I mean, he's not a, you know, the best safety to ever play, but like he has a skill set that's very useful. Absolutely, he, he could do damage. The dude was in the MVP conversation one year. Yeah, I mean, let's not. So, if he comes back and is you know gets back to near where he was at one point physically. I mean, that's a good, another good piece for that Washington Absolutely. defense. There's, there's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. So I hope he gets back because he, he's he he was a good dude and uh, yeah, and he's look. Everybody like likes Landon Collins. He looks good this summer, and I think that's where you go from there. And so, based on that, you know, I don't, and you know, you compare him to what he was. He looks good, and so we'll go from there. But you know, he's he's. I mean, he looks like Landon Collins. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. A breakdown of the Washington football team with the great John Kime. We will see you week two. Week two. Down in Maryland for a Thursday night game. That'll come up quickly on us. You know, that, that you won't even get to digest that opener and you'll already be uh turning the page to week two, John. It'll be fun. The world cannot wait for that one. Uh, <laughs> all right. We'll see you soon. Appreciate it. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. This episode was chock full of information. It's getting kind of long, though. So I'm going to make this real quick. I'll give you a quick Jordan on the beat, and we'll get out of here. Jordan on the beat is a portion of this podcast where I explain to you what it's like to be a beat reporter covering the New York Giants, working for ESPN, and covering the NFL in general. So the Giants have a joint practice next week against Cleveland, and the following week against the New England Patriots. Now, we generally don't travel for preseason, so I'm not planning to go to Cleveland right now, uh, but I am actually going to go up and watch the joint practices against the Patriots the following week. So Ryan reminds, it reminds me of a few years back. Saquon's a rookie, so I guess it's, uh, you know, 2018. 2018? Yeah. So 2018, and I'm not, there you have joint practices in, in Detroit, and I'm not scheduled to go to the joint practice in Detroit, but all of a sudden, to a day or two before, guess what happens? Saquon tweaks his hamstring as a rookie in the preseason. I remember it. It was in the field house. He runs a wheel route. He kind of grabs at it, tweaks his hamstring right before joint, they, they're about to leave for Detroit for joint practices. So at the last second, guess what? TV says, we need you out there. We need you in Detroit. Help us out. Of course, 
team player, build myself up here into a true American hero. I do it. I get a last minute flight. I get on the plane. I go to Detroit. And guess what? Saquon Barkley did not talk. He did not want to talk, they said. That's what the Giants said. I said, make him talk. He's a rookie. You should tell him he has to talk. You know? It was like, a, 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 you know, three, four, five days later. Like, come on. He could talk about his, you know, how he tweaked his hamstring. It's not the end of the world. But so I go all the way to Detroit. And guess what? I get nothing. So I had to come back with my leg between my, uh, my, my tail between my legs. It would be hard to have your leg between your tail. But I had my tail between my legs, came back. Nobody got, I couldn't get Saquon Barkley. Nobody got Saquon Barkley. He didn't speak. He didn't do anything, basically. That's my joint practice story. Hopefully, this year, Cleveland coming up turns out a little differently. My daughter happens to be coming home from sleepaway camp this week. So it would be nice to see her and not have to leave at the very last minute. But you do what you got to do. This is, these are the, these are the, the things about covering the NFL. And, we're, and that's the thing my wife hates most about this job. The unpredictability. I could be sitting at the dinner table like, oh, I got to run. They, they just signed this guy. Or, uh-oh, this guy just got arrested. See ya. Uh, you, you're in charge. Drop the kids in her lap, and I, and I got to run. Like that. That's what it's like covering the NFL, the Giants in particular. So uh, that's a wrap for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, you can find me on all social platforms, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I'm bringing the fire lately, baby. Uh, Facebook, you can email me. You know how to reach me. Tell your friends, like, subscribe. We're growing this podcast. We're taking over the world. You're coming with me. Let's go. That's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time. 